0: definitely excited to be in the house of the Lord. Always. Um, it's just always a blessing to no matter what our condition is, how we come in. We know that we are to come with hearts that are, you know, seeking to worship the Lord, to honor him, to glorify him. And that's the cool thing is that whether you've had a great week or a crummy week, you can still come in with that perspective. Um, we know that we don't serve the living God based out of emotion. Emotions ebb and flow. Emotions are down and then they're up. And it's a very dangerous road to travel on if we base our Christian experience based on our emotions, because our emotions are very fickle and they just go haywire. So we serving out of obedience and just wanting to grow closer to the Lord, closer to Jesus Christ. That is the goal, and that's what we strive to do here at Resilient Life. And so I'm um, excited for the message this morning. I've entitled it Responding to the Call. Simply put, this is what we see our brother Peter doing here. As this continues on in the segment of uh, First Cor- uh, Cornelius, we know he's a Roman uh, commander, and he's seeking the Lord And uh, he was basically directed by uh, Angel of the Lord to send a couple of his servants to go seek out uh, Peter. And then last week we went over how Peter was staying with the tanner. And uh, while he was with the tanner, he had a vision. And the vision was of the kosher and non-kosher animals. The Lord said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he was because, uh, you know, in his uh, Jewish Heritage, kind of in his religious state of mind at that point in time was not willing to do so. And so continuing on, this is what we will see, what the, the scriptures that uh, Daniel read over. And so um, we will focus on a few main points because here, unknowingly, Peter is actually flung into a situation where he is going to immediately have the opportunity to put into action and apply the wisdom that the Lord has just revealed to him. Remember, Peter did not understand this vision. Peter was questioning. He The, the, the word says he was perplexed by seeing this vision uh, of four-legged animals and reptiles and and, and the Lord saying, uh, get up, rise, and, and, and eat. And, and Peter didn't understand it in the moment. But now, uh, full circle, in the next moment, he's going to actually see what this really entails. There are a couple main points that I'd like us to focus on this morning. And the first one is when the Lord reveals something to you and I, he will then give you the opportunity to apply what you learned. The Lord never reveals something to you and I and then does not give you the opportunity to see it lived out or to see it exercised through your own faith in Him in your life. You will see circumstances converge to be able to understand, wow, I just read that, I just understood that, and now all of a sudden this is right in my lap, this is what's going on. That's why when people say, I pray for patience, what is what happens? Lord, give me patience. What happens? Exactly. Everything around you falls apart because you're getting a crash course at patience. Patience, You know, Lord, give me patience doesn't mean, you know, you're just going to be, you know, fine. And, you know, everything is all good. It's like, no, there's going to be chaos and and just madness all around you. And now, hence, you get to experience what it means to be patient. Is that what you think about this I no, I did not. (laughs) Well, the Lord saw fit that I definitely need patience. I definitely need to grow in that. So yeah, the Lord's going to be on my helmet for sure about that. God's desire is that we truly live out our faith, not just proclaim it with our mouths. And there's so many verses that that are applicable to that. But that that premise, that principle, that idea, and, and that and that that's what undergirds this idea that. Whatever the Lord reveals to you and I, he's then going to give us the opportunity to experience it. He's going to give us the opportunity to apply these biblical principles because he cares less about what we say with our mouths. He cares more what we do. What do our actions show? Our our actions really, if you think about it, they actually solidify what we say. Isn't that so true? If you have a child and your child is like, I-, I clean my room, I clean my room, mom, I swear I clean my room. And then you walk in there 10 minutes later and, you know, the sheets are all over the place. The lamps broken, the toy, there's matchbox cars all over the place. There's cookie cake crumbs all over the the the, the, the windowsill. It's like, no, you didn't clean your room. You know, you didn't clean your room. You know, at that point, that child's words mean very little because their actions did not display that it was true of what they were saying, and the same thing is for us. And and, and I'm sure many of you have gone through that, where uh, you've experienced a, a situation with someone where they say a whole lot, <laughs> but what's behind the words, you're like, man, it's that it's just not adding up, bro. I'm sorry, I, I I'm not feeling you. I can't, I can't, I can't dig it. Sometimes that's like that, huh? Well, probably more times than not. My wife is on the other end, where she's like, dude, you telling me you're gonna do this? Do it. You're not doing it. You're not, you know, and, you know, those of you that are married, hopefully you're you're not on the end I'm on. Hopefully you're on the, you know, my wife's end where you're like, man, come on, come through, handle it. But either either way, in any event, that is, is so true. We, we need to be those that actually live out what we say. There needs to be application. There needs to be uh, actual verb and action where we're doing what we proclaim, what we believe. The second main point is god is constantly trying to expand and grow our hearts he's constantly trying to grow and expand the heart the new heart the heart of flesh that he's put in you when you proclaim jesus christ as your savior and your lord and me as well this can only happen if our minds also grow and expand in jesus christ you cannot have a heart growing in Christ while a mind is still filled with garbage, right? The mind has to be put into submission to Jesus Christ. I believe that's where that's why the mind is on the head. You know, what you think, your feet are gonna follow what your mind is telling it to do. If your mind is wrapped up in unclean, ungodly, unhealthy thoughts, unhealthy lifestyle thoughts, unhealthy habit thoughts. Don't expect your feet to come running to church or come running to the Word of God, right? Because you and I, we have to train, we have to reprogram our mind through the washing of the Word. Obviously, all this is done by the power of the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is in our part to play in it, we have minds. We are the ones that that we have to allow the Lord to do that work within our hearts and our minds. God bless you. Welcome. <laughs> When we change our mindset and agree how we see things, the way we see things, when we believe that the way we see things are wrong and the way God's way is correct, what do we call that? That is called repentance. When we believe in our hearts, when we truly understand, we say, look at the way I see the world, the way I view things through my lens, even though we can say oh well i'm a good person i do good things i i haven't killed i haven't stolen i haven't cheated i haven't robbed i'm not doing what the people on death row are doing do we do we understand that we because we inherited that sin nature by nature every person born into the world is born under the curse of sin and it is only by the blood of jesus christ that breaks that curse as 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 lovely and beautiful as my my little baby daughter how old is she now she's eight weeks two what two months old She's a little bundle of joy, but she's also a really she's really a bundle of sin bound up in that that baby's heart is, 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 is the capacity to do incredibly horrible things because she's born into the depravity of this world. And that, that maybe that's not something that people want to hear, but it is the truth. And also the truth coupled with that, what the solution is, it's the blood of Christ. It's it's by accepting the sacrifice that Christ laid down his life dying for the sins of the world past, present and future for every man, woman and child, every country, every creed, every every race. If they would simply, if we would simply humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, accept the glorious gift of salvation that's freely given, not, not having to be earned, but just received and accepted, then you are cleansed of that. And that sin no longer has the dominant force and dominant reign in your life and in mind. But again, going back to the mind and the mind being renewed, this is where this comes into play. We have to see the way we are, as inherently wrong and the way God is is right and that is actually that is what we call repentance it's a changing of mind it's a changing of the way we think uh, uh the viewpoint and when that happens we are on the we are on the plane and the scope to be able to do things the way God would want us to do and actually for our own uh benefit to be able to be fulfilled is she gonna throw up (laughs) <laughs> man, that girl, she's a monster, man. I'm telling you, I, I don't, I didn't know babies eat like that. The little girl is be driving me. It's, it's crazy. I'm like, how does she just eat that food like that? The man, it's just milk. It's just milk. It must be. It must be. All right, get back on track. Uh, but this whole idea. <laughs> <laughs> this whole idea of our mindset, agreeing with the Lord and seeing our natural bend to be not correct. This is so important because it can even be the subtle things in which we think are unimportant. But the wrong perspective of these things leads us into sin. And I've said it before. It could be something as blatant as whatever's on the television. Uh, you and I can't control what comes on the cable. <laughs> You know, I've said it many times before. I'm a sports guy. I like watching the sports games. I mean, but, you know, in between, there's so many uh, demonic, uh, you know, commercials of these this hideous murder movies and crazy stuff where it's like, that's cool. Watch your game. Watch the watch Niners. Niners won la- uh, yesterday. I was great. Watch your Niners win. But when, you know, you have to have discernment. You have the Holy Spirit living within you if you're a born-again <clears throat> believer. When you get, and you know. When it's demonic, especially when it's blatant, you know, when, when it's, you know, just that that kind of that, that dark look and you just it's just not right. It's like put the guide on, put the clicker on. Don't sit there watching it. Why do you want to watch it and be amused and be entertained by it and be grossed out and be creeped out by it? Oh, that was creepy. That was oh, Well, yeah. So why do you want to look at that? You know, I say that because that's a very subtle thing. That a non-believer would say, there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, you're just, you know, you're, you're tripping. There's there, How can you tell me that that's going to have influence on your life? How do people become serial killers and murderers and pedophiles and people that are debased in the mind and, and their thinking is not right, right? It starts from little subtle things. You play with sin. You tantalize with sin. You flirt with it long enough. Sin will entangle you. Sin will cause you your spiritual death, your demise. It's not something to be played with. And that's just one example. But again, it goes back to having the mindset of Christ, the way Christ Puts things out. His way is correct. I need to fall under that umbrella of his way of thinking, his morals, his viewpoint, his principles. I want to govern my life by that. Christ, Jesus Christ, should be the filter in which we see the world through. Should it not? Or should it be my own filter? My own filter is not good. (laughs) my own filter in my flesh, I'm going to be looking and watching and hearing a whole bunch of stuff that is not wholesome that I shouldn't be doing. But as you, you know, are born again and you walk with the Lord and you continue to walk with Him, you start to have a distaste for the things of the world. Have you ever noticed that in your life, in your walk, the things you used to do? And especially for those of us that have walked with the Lord for many years, maybe you were someone who, who who partied a lot or maybe you're someone who gambled and you went to Vegas, you went to Reno every year and you saved up 10 grand because you were going to, you know, what I mean, I'm, I'm going all aces in, ace in the hole, I'm going in. As you walk with the Lord, this, you know, these things, just, they, they start to lose their luster. You just begin to be like, I, I'm just not. It doesn't fulfill me. It's not something that's pleasing to me. Maybe for some of you women that were like all about. Gucci, Prada, I got to have every purse. I got to have, you know, I mean, my, my, my wrong oh, wrong trip. Well, what I know you had, you had every color flip flop for every, uh, every, every outfit. And, uh, you know, and again, I'm not, you know what, I'm not, I'm not bashing. I'm not bashing name brands. I'm not bashing that stuff. I mean, if, if that's how you feel led to spend your money and you have peace with it. I mean, there's plenty of people. There's nothing inherently evil or wrong with money. It's the love of money that's evil. You can have Prada and Vindi and Gucci and you can be fine. Hopefully you're, 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 you're giving that kind of love, uh, you know, spiritually and monetarily to people in need as well. Because then, you know, again, that reveals if we're spending all kind of money on ourselves and we do nothing for nobody else, then it's not good. Anyways, I don't want to continue on in that vein, but all that's to be said again is the mindset, the mindset. It has to fall under the, 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 the domination of Christ Because you and I are going to be dominated by one of two things. We're going to be dominated by the Holy Spirit, or we're going to be dominated by a demonic spirit in our flesh. Again, that's it. There are no in-betweens. We can dress it up and paint it up and doll it up however you want to, but there are two extremes. There are two polar opposites, and that's it. And everything else that falls in between is unclean and unkept and still demonic. So you want to run with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and begin to unpack these verses that we'll spend the rest of our morning looking at. So we're looking at Acts chapter 10 and verses 17 through 20. And it says, Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate. And called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. Verse 19. And when Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise up and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. So again, this is coming off of the heels of last week. We know Peter had this vision, again, of the different animals. They were clean and unclean. The Lord said, rise, kill, and eat. Because Peter, being a Jew in the Jewish traditions, we know they could not touch non-kosher animals. They could not touch anything of that nature. And so in Peter's realm of thinking in that specific moment, he just was not going to do it. He didn't understand why the Lord would put two different animals, clean and unclean, before him and tell him to rise, kill, and eat. But we are going to see again how the Lord is working this through in a tangible way for Peter to understand right off the bat. The Lord was beginning or continuing, I should say, to orchestrate circumstances to piece together what this all meant. Remember, Cornelius was told to send a few men to find Peter in Joppa. We see that, that's, that these men are now at the gate of the tanner where, where Peter was staying. He, he, they're literally there. The, the men that, that, that Cornelius, a few verses back, sent out, right? The, these, these servants of this Roman commander, they're at the door where Peter is staying. Then they ask for Peter. They simply, whether they knocked on the door, yelled through the window, they, they asked for Peter. Where is Peter? Where is Simon Peter. Then the Holy Spirit spoke to Peter. This is all going on at the same moment, telling Peter, rise and go to meet them without hesitation. This is very interesting because in a sense, this is the similar vision that Peter actually had uh, while he was in that trance. And he, and he saw the the, the the sheep come down with, with the animals again, the clean and unclean animals. Because after seeing the different animals, he was told by the Lord to rise, kill and eat. And now he's being told to rise and go to these men without hesitation. So again, with the spiritual discernment, you'll be able to understand and recognize this when the Holy Spirit makes it clear to you what is going on. For us today, we have the vantage point of viewing this account from the present looking back. So I don't want to beat Peter up too much because Peter was in the moment and he didn't understand what was going on. We can see the connection That was, you know, Peter was going to rise and engage with these men that Cornelius uh, had sent. This was the opportunity that God was making. He was providing this for Peter to apply the vision that Peter just had to show Peter that these gentiles it's okay to interact with them it's okay to engage with them this is part of my plan this is part of my purpose for humanity my the shed blood of my son jesus christ is not just for the jews it's not just for this specific people group that that i chose to bring my revelation of who I am to the world, but it is for every person. And that's where this whole unclean and clean animal comes into play. And this is what is being revealed to Peter in the moment. So again, put yourself in his shoes. He's kind of, he had the vision. Now he has two men coming to the door where he's staying they're not jews they're 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 romans they're gentiles remember at this at this point in time the romans were the superpower of the world they were oppressing the jewish people the, the the military was very malicious and very violent and so this is this was a big deal for peter to even engage with the with these with these men it was a big deal it was a very big deal the application many times we When we hear clearly from the Lord, but we still wonder what we're supposed to do. How many of you have had that experience? You've heard clearly from the Lord, and maybe not an audible voice, but you've been in the Word of God. You've been stewing on the Word of God. You've been studying the Word. The Lord is speaking to you clearly through the Word of God of what He would have you to do, and yet when push comes to shove, when we're put in a circumstance or a situation, you and I act as if we don't know what's going on. We talked about this last week with the whole idea of we're called to be a witness. I'll ask the question again. How many people have you and I actually witnessed to from last Sunday to now? If the number is zero, that's I'm speaking directly to that right now. We know what we're supposed to do, but yet when we're out and about in the world, we simply just don't find the time or the desire to want to do so because we're either too busy or we feel like someone else is going to do it. But, but that may be a, a, a somewhat of an, an extreme uh, example. But nonetheless, this is still along the lines of what's going on with Peter. He's been given this vision. He's told what to do. He's questioning what is going on. He's not understanding correctly. Maybe this example is a better one. Who remembers Gideon? Gideon and the fleece, (laughs) right? He heard from the Lord. The Lord told him what he was going to do, how he was going to be victorious, how he was going to work through Gideon. It's almost as if, because see the wrong thing with the Gideon and the fleece thing, please don't be one of those people that are like, I'm dating this guy right now, or I'm dating this girl right now. and, And if he or she calls me a at 630 and and leaves a, a heart emoji with another emoji with the, you know, with the bow and arrow shooting the arrow that I, I know that, that I'm supposed to marry him and I know that I'm going to love him. That's testing the Lord. That's just stupid. I'm, may I say it? I'm sorry for my language, but that's just not smart. Don't test the Lord like that. So when you look at Gideon, he was like he was testing the Lord actually that it, it, the reality it, him by him with the with the you know w- with the two fleeces that actually showed his lack of faith his lack of believing god he was actually still considering can this other god really be as powerful as the true and living god because why wouldn't he have just went and did what the lord had said to do why did he have to ask him? And I don't, want to, I don't want to bash on Gideon too much because the reality is you and I fall in the same situations. We have all the promises of God's word readily available to us, but yet we clamor and we become worried or fearful when we come into the valley of the shadow of death, knowing that these things are going to happen, knowing that we're going to have difficult times. What does the Bible say? What does is, what is Philippians 4-8 say or 4-6 say, worry about nothing what? Pray about everything. Do you understand? Do I understand many times the reason why things are not opening up the way they should in our lives spiritually and maybe even physically and monetarily is simply because we're not praying. <laughs> we're not praying. That is the PGE and e lifeline. That is the 5G to God, Almighty the Father is prayer in the name of Jesus Christ and when we don't do that you know I'm not saying don't use the medical advice I'm not saying don't you know uh, go to the financial advisor but who are we going to first when when your house is is going to be you know uh, you know be, be gone mortgaged off whatever if that's the correct word is that the correct word when you're when you lose your home or closed okay when your house is going to be foreclosed Who do you run to first, the Lord in prayer or the financial broker? When you're told you have cancer, cervical cancer, you only have X amount of time to live. Who do you run to first, the doctor, WebMD, or do you run to the Lord? Right. Again, maybe those are extreme cases. Maybe no one here is facing anything like that. But whatever your predicament is, whatever my predicament is, who do we turn to first? Who are we running to? If God Almighty is our strong tower and our strong fortress, that's who we should be running to for everything, right? For everything. Every any little thing must be brought to the Lord in prayer. And that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to even answer the prayer or answer the prayer the way we want to, but still his will, his ways are clear, perfect, righteous, holy. They're the best that we can get many times, sometimes even if we are living a righteous life, prayers are not being answered because he knows what's best for us. Right. His ways are not our ways. Maybe he knows you're not going to you shouldn't date that person. You shouldn't move into that house. You shouldn't take that job. You shouldn't go off to, you know, whatever, Tennessee. That's not the place he wants you to be. He wants you to to thug it out in the Bay Area where it's super expensive, where you're going to pay $3,000 a month for a two-bedroom apartment, but because it's the most unchurched area in the United States, it's like, dude, souls need to be saved. There's such a demonic presence here. Souls need to be saved. Do you, do you, you guys trip off that? They're like, that's why you guys are here in the Bay Area. The prices suck, but the reality is souls need to be saved. And you have the answer. You have the Holy Spirit living within you. And it may be your own flesh and blood. It may be the people next to you on either side that you call your neighbors. But these people need Jesus. These people need Jesus. There are so many uh, different cultures. You know, it's such a, a mixing pot here. And with that mixing pot come all different kind of, of religions and and spiritual beliefs. Uh, you know, we were talking in the leadership meeting, the breakfast yesterday morning, about the heavy influence of, of uh, the Eastern Indian culture. You know, Sikh, Hindu, Muslim. You know, and they need to know the love of Christ, right? They're they're caught in a religion that that's work based. That's saying you got to do this to earn. And you might make it to heaven, whereas we have the truth, the true God that says, it's not about what you do. It's about what I did. And I reached down to you. I reached down to the gutter. (laughs) You're not even pulling your hand up. How many of us got saved and you weren't even looking for God? It's like the Lord snatched you up by the back of your shirt and said, no, son, no, daughter, you're coming here. You were not made for that life. That's the reality. That's the reality. Even if we think we did something to 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 know the Lord, no, you didn't know. I didn't. You know, that's the whole predestined. I don't want to get into all that, but but that's the reality. Is that it's Him. It's all Him. It's always Him. We gotta be okay with that. That's that. That's the whole thing of the gift of salvation. You Gotta just be okay with it. So many times we're like, "Well, me too. My I pride. I. I. No. I. I gotta. I gotta be modest. I'm spiritual. I'm the pastor. I. I can't do that. I can't. I can't accept that." Why, dude? Why can't you accept it? Why can't you accept the love? You know, accept the free love that he gives. It's free to us. It cost him everything. Cost him his only son. Cost him uh, a, a, a horrible, a uh, horrible death, a, a very humiliating death. Right. <clears throat> we wear crosses now. And, it, and you, know, you know, I'm a rapper and, you know, I'm blinged out. I'm iced out with, you know, with a, with a diamond cross. It costs, tw- you know, 25 G's. But, you know, that 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 that. That, that cross is actually an a, a instrument of death. It didn't mean you're icy and blinged out back in the day. It meant even as a Roman citizen, you couldn't even be killed that way because it was so wretched and so disgusting. But the Lord in his wisdom knew that that was the only way to redeem his creation that he loved so dearly was to allow his son to go through that pain and that <clears throat> torment. So you and I could live in freedom and joy Not only in eternity, but here on earth. That's a big deal to understand that even though you and I are going to go through trials and tribulations, you can still have the joy of the Lord. (laughs) You can still have the joy of the Lord. It's your choice. You can trudge through it. Or you can have the joy of the Lord and it's going to be difficult. And yeah, you'll get emotional and yeah, you'll have breakdowns and yeah, you'll cry and yeah, you'll go through this and that and maybe have arguments. and you have arguments, you know, but. You have the joy of the Lord, and nobody or nothing can take that from you. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Amen? Amen. The key here, getting back to, again, exercising faith and, 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 and believing the Lord at His word and not testing Him as, as, as we do at times when we hesitate, and we don't do what he calls us to do. Is the key is to recognize when understanding and opportunity meet, in order to exercise and apply our faith. You, you, do you understand what that is? Uh, uh, what I'm what I'm sharing with you. You and I must recognize and understand when opportunity, when those two meet, when understanding and opportunity. You're aware. You have. More than a head knowledge, the head knowledge you receive of who Jesus Christ is and what he's doing in your life, you've called to share the love of Christ. So now not only do you have a head knowledge, but you it's reached your heart. So now you have a head knowledge and an understanding of what's going on. So now when you walk out the door and now you sense and discern the opportunity to engage your belief system with the world around you, it's when those two things meet and converge That's when you get to see faith displayed, your faith exercise, right? There's no happenstance. You don't just happen to run into that person at the smog check place and just talk about the 49ers and that's it. That's cool. That little small talk about the 49ers was a way to engage and break the ice, and to segue that person into sharing the love of Christ with them. And I'm not saying beat them over the head and and be weird and all nutty about the way you you know you, you you witness. You know, don't don't be like that. Don't be a weirdo. Don't 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 bash people about with Christ. Don't don't get on some high horse about how spiritual you are. Don't you know tell people you're just gonna burn in hell if you don't accept Christ. Not about that. But be a normal person, a loving person, engage with them. You know, it's simple things like dude, just tell them, God bless you. May Jesus Christ bless you. I mean, how many times do people get to hear that in a day from people they don't even know? And how much of an impact can that have on somebody? That may, that may, that may keep that person from bashing their car into the road or taking that fifth of vodka to the head. And, and and or taking that bottle of pills to the face that might be what stops them simply because you shared the love of Jesus and you didn't have a big old bible study with them you just shared Jesus with them you know you weren't a jerk about it you weren't rude about it you weren't all super spiritual you just shared Christ with people try it this week if you haven't share Jesus with people man just engage people with Christ with the love of Christ that you have in your own life You know, God is so loving, like a loving father is. He warns us so we know not what to do. James chapter 1 verse 22 tells us this, "But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves." We know about that. We know the whole the whole story. We know the whole uh, breakdown, right? A man that 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 looks intently at the mirror, right? and then walks away and forgets what he looks like. If you look at the mirror and you're like, man, my face is disheveled. I need to shave. I got boogers in my nose. I need to brush my teeth. It stank. I need to floss my teeth. You're going to make sure that you do all that before you leave the house. You're not coming out booger boy and hair all messed up and teeth all stank. You know, we don't do that. So spiritually, why do we look into the mirror of God and walk away and forget what we look like, right? If If the word of God, if the law of God is a mirror that shows us our depravity and our wretchedness, and the fact that we can't be right except by the grace of God—why would we ever walk away into the real world? Real world, excuse me—and think that we can operate outside of God's parameters and be okay? It—it's—it's it, right. It sounds ludicrous. It sounds super foolish. If we know that the Word of God is what stabilizes our lives and enhances our lives, again, we are going to allow God's Word to govern every single decision we make on a daily basis from what we watch to what we put in our bodies to the time we spend how we spend it how we spend our finances all these things encompass right people that are millionaires especially that are christians are not millionaires merely for the fact that they can say they're millionaires they're millionaires so they can share that wealth with those who need it oh oh, 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 some better because we're not none of us are millionaires in here so that's not relatable you and i aren't saved merely to be saved we are saved so you can share that testimony and be used as a tool for the lord god almighty to drag somebody else out of that pit of hell and bring them into the glorious grace of god almighty that is the one reason You and I are still here aside from glory. And that that is glorifying the Lord. But that's why we're here. That's why your story, your personal testimony is going to be relatable to somebody else that the Lord is going to put in your sphere of influence. That is just how it works. And it's so amazing to watch the, the Lord work when you start seeing all this stuff clicking and you're like, wow, that's crazy. I look at my life and I'm like. I am the last person that deserves to be up here. The Lord knows my heart. The Lord knows the things that I've been through that I've personally allowed myself to go through, at, you know, a younger, at younger years. And it's like, dude, living a lifestyle like that? But the Lord saved my life, saved my soul. And now he's using me in a way that I never thought possible. And, 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 and I have a testimony to prove that the Lord is orchestrating all these things. But he does it through a humble heart. He does it through a heart that's willing to be changed, a heart that's willing to submit everything that says, you know what, Lord, all yours, all yours. We're going to do a baby dedication sometime next month, Lord willing. And as we did with our with our first child, Mm -hmm. it's the same thing. We're just stewarding this girl. That's not our girl. That's the Lord's child. You know, like 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 Hannah did with, with Samuel. She said, Lord, you bless me with a child. I will give him back and he will serve you all the days of his life. That's it. That's it's everything. You know, it's everything. Our finances, Lord, they're yours. Yes, we'll spend, you know, some things that we, you know, we enjoy doing. We like doing whatever. I'm not saying, you know, we're, we're over here, you know, making ourselves broke on purpose and doing stuff like that. But it's, again, the perspective. What is your lifestyle? Are you submitting your lifestyle before the Lord? Or are you saying, you know what? I'm going to do X, Y and Z for you or allow you to do that. But, you know, what? this little five percent, this 10 percent, this 2.5 percent, I'm going to keep for myself and I'm going to do me. That one little part, I'm going to do me. He wants it all. And that's part of sanctification, breaking those walls down in our hearts so he can get all of us. He wants all of you, all of me. 99.9 percent Lysol clean is not enough. That's not Holy Spirit clean, that's human man clean. He wants it all, he wants it all. And he'll stop at nothing to get it. Don't test the Lord, (laughs) don't test the Lord, or you will see, you will see, he wants it all. You're his, you and I were bought with a price, the price of the blood of his son. That's why you can't can't run away once you've been saved, you can't, (laughs) you can't, you can try but you can't, you can't run. You can't run. Even if you run back to your old lifestyle, you'll be miserable because no, you're just grieving the Holy spirit and he wants all of you. He wants all of me. All right, let's finish off with these last few verses. Acts chapter 10, 22, or excuse me, 21 through 23. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one that you are looking for. What is the reason for you coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who was well-spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. Speaking of Peter to the men, he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him." Here's the heart of the lesson. Here's the heart of the message this morning. And and, and it's the heart of Christ. It's the heart of Jesus. It's It's what Jesus would have done in Peter's exact situation. We will now see an example of Peter's faith being lived out. When he went down to meet the men, Peter, again, he had to be shocked to see two servants of the Roman army requesting his presence. He would have known instantly that they weren't Jews from the way they spoke to their demeanor, to their attire. He would have just known. You ain't like me. <laughs> we, we, as, that's, that's not how I roll. We're not the same. That's like somebody from the hood going up to somewhere in the Silver Creek Country Club. And you're like, that's not how I roll. <laughs> that's not how I roll, man. Y'all y'all have it good. That's not how I roll. Peter could have wondered why in the world God told him to go to them and why he sent them. Um, the example that came to mind when I was studying was this this idea of, or this account of Peter interacting with, with these Gentile centurion servants would have been the equivalent of, you know, black and white people in the south say the 1950s 1960s dining together you guys you know, some of you young people probably don't even know that I don't even know if they even teach that stuff in the history classes now but there was a point in time in the south where I was like man you couldn't drink from this fountain if you were you know of color you couldn't sit at you know what I mean together at the table you know what I mean whatever and and that's what it would have been like or that would have been it would have been like an interracial couple in the in the south you know at Applebee's trying to you know have a time of it it wasn't going down. It wasn't going down, you know, praise God that, you know, we, you know, to a certain extent, we've gotten past that. And it's like, you know, it's not a big deal, but that's a whole other can of worms because truth now has been thrown out the window. Nobody cares about absolute truth. Everything's relativism. And it could be like, well, yeah, you can be a man, woman, whatever. And it's all good. We, we, we accept you all. All right. I'm sorry. That's a whole, I, I shouldn't even go there. Let me not get into that. The point is what. Peter was engaging with by inviting these, these Gentile servants in was a huge cultural taboo, something that you just dare not do, but he was willing to do it. The crazy thing is the Christian lifestyle is completely countercultural, completely, completely, definitely A Christian lifestyle is going against the grain of mainstream culture. It has to. Your lifestyle does not fall in line with the way many people live their lives on the broad, wide road, where everything is acceptable and I can do whatever I want and it's all gravy, baby. Not really. If you're living your best life now, as they like to say is that you know? I mean, that's the hip thing right now, right? People, I live. You're living your best. He's living his best life now. Oh, J Lo, she's living her best life now. Mm-hmm. Man, that can't be. This, this should not be your best life. You know, you're a pilgrim. You're a visitor. This is not your home. If this is your best life now, that means you're not. You don't have an eternal perspective. You're not. You're not looking for the glory of heaven. You're not looking to be in the glory of God and to live with Him eternally forever. You're saying right here, right now, has to be the best. Because all I have is right now, and I don't know what the future holds, and I don't know what uh, I don't know what the door on the other side of death holds. I know I'm gonna die. It's funny how everybody knows they're gonna die. Non-believers know they're gonna die. But when you're a Christian, you can die with grace. You can die with more than dignity, you can die with a hope that you're not even, you're, you're 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 not passing away, you're passing on. You're passing on into the next realm, right? Where your, your 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 physical body will be will be dormant for a while, but you're gonna be raised to new life, and you're gonna have an incorruptible body. And everybody has a soul in them that's never gonna die. We were created to be eternal, anyways. But it's just interesting. That's that stuff boggles my mind. Do not live your best life now. Live a good life. Do your best for the Lord. But. I mean, I'm trying I'm trying to come back and reign for a thousand years with him and and you know whatever. I'll be the little spit shoe shiner doing whatever he calls me to do. I just want I just want a seat at the table. Can I get a seat at the table? Even the dog needs the crumbs, right? I'm I'm okay. I you know I ain't a proud I ain't too proud to beg. I'll be like that lady. I'll be like that Gentile. At least a dog gets the crumbs from the master's table. Don't forget me, Lord. Because you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You don't want to hear, depart from me. I never knew you. How Horrible would that be to sit in church services all your life only to come to the end of your life and hear, I never knew you depart from me. And the saddest thing about it, I believe the Lord's heart is broken as he's sharing that with somebody. His eyes are probably tearing up like he don't want to say that, but it's because we chose not to love him. We chose not to apply the principles that we hear every day and we just say it's head knowledge. I know, I know, but I don't apply it. Well, the world's dying. And he's like, I just want to live my life to you. I just want you to, I, I want you to be my hands and feet. You know, you're taking me, you're dragging me with you everywhere. That's why when they talk about when you grieve the spirit, you, you, you and I are grieving the spirit. Because when you go and have that, you know, having unmarried, uh, you, know, you know, whatever, relations before you're married. I'm trying to mind myself with the you know people in the building that grieves the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's like, I don't do that get married, do it right so I can you know, be joyous and I can give you the blessing that you're supposed to have. When you're abusing your body with, you know, pharmaceutical drugs and alcohol and cigarettes and all that or watching stuff you're not supposed to watch, it grieves the Holy Spirit. He hurts them. He's it's breaking his heart. He's like, you're dragging me into this. If you and I ever find ourselves tomorrow, today, in the near future doing that, remember we're grieving the Holy Spirit. We're literally dragging him into that situation. And he's like, I don't want to be in that. I don't want to be in that. Drag him here. <laughs> Take him here. Be led here. Come to the come to the Lord's house. You know, rejoice and do the things that he's called you and I to do. And you'll see how much how much more freeing and liberating your life will be. That weight lifted off of your shoulders because you're taking upon his yoke. Many times we take upon stuff that we shouldn't take on, and then we're wondering why we're all stressed out and messed up. And man, it's so hard. It's so yeah, it's hard. It's difficult, but His yoke is easy. It is. It's that idea, right? The 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 the, the two oxes, one's pulling, one's 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 pushing. You go with the Lord; is he, He's got you. There's no more. There's no more tug. There's no more tug. Let me get back on track. I. Going against the grain, against mainstream culture. A couple of examples. I mean, the Bible's clear: love your enemies. <laughs> Who loves their enemies? Jesus. We we. I I grew up in and I grew up in an era where it's like, homie, we're gonna get you. <laughs> you you stepped on my kicks. Uh, it's on. You're done. <laughs> we're bashing. We're bashing on 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 dudes. It's it's not even it's not even an afterthought. You know, wasn't even an enemy enemy. Oh, I'll never, I'll never love you. But again, counterculture, love your enemies. Another one, when you're weak, you're strong. What? I used to think that can't stand Christians. I'll never be in a church. Y'all are weenies. Y'all are weirdos. Talk about, I'm going to go worship. I'm going to go pray. I don't need to pray. What do I need to pray for? I need to pray for. I woke up. I'm good. But the Bible's clear when you're weak. You're strong. The poor are rich. You definitely have to have the Holy Spirit in you to understand that. When you're poor, you're rich. Do you know that I live in Section 8 housing? I have to get food stamps. I, I'm getting paid off EDD. You're telling me that when I'm poor, I'm rich? But again, we're not talking about ta- you know, tangible. We're talking about spiritual, meek, you know, poor at heart, right? The poor in spirit, they will be comforted. The poor are rich. More blessed to give than to receive. That's just a pride thing. No matter if you come from a rich neighborhood or a poor neighborhood. You know, that that's a that's a that's a that's a hard thing for sure because you're telling me it's better for me to give than to receive? I want to take, take, take. We live in America. Amass all you can. Stockpile. Be like Bloomberg and start from nothing and be self-made. Everybody pulls themselves up by their own bootstraps. Everybody brags about how I did it on my own. I'm on Shark Tank and I made a Fortune 500 company because it's what I did. I invested my money. I did it. I did it. I did it. But the Bible is clear. It's better. It's more blessed to give than to receive. It's not about that. I'm, I'm stressing these points because... I'm trying to show you, I'm trying to make a create, create paint a picture of showing you the Christian lifestyle is countercultural. It has nothing to do with how the regular world works, how society works. No, it's totally different. And it was just as radical in Jesus's day. But we must remember that God wanted and he was expanding Peter's heart and he was using two Gentiles to do it. He was using these most unlikely characters to expand Peter's heart. But as you know, this is nothing new for the God of the universe. Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. He was using something totally radical to expand Peter's mind and his heart to get him to understand the great work that he had for Peter. But Peter had to get over this whole This whole identity crisis of, I can't, I can't mess with Jews. I mean, excuse me, I can't mess with Gentiles. I can only minister to Jewish people. He was like, no, it's not just for the Jewish people. For Peter to engage with the Gentiles, this was groundbreaking. Nothing like this had ever been done before. Next, we see that Cornelius's messengers came with an invitation of their own. (laughs) They came with the invitation to Peter. Peter had the free will to either accept it or reject it, what would he do? Well, the text says that he invited him in. So clearly Peter accepted what they, were, what they were sharing or what they wanted to share with him. But as far as Peter being a host, it wasn't like he just gave him a room like this was Airbnb. And, you know, I mean, whatever you got. I got this little cot. You can stay here, whatever. Here's the keys, you know, do what you do. Just make sure it's clean when you go. And I'm going to charge you. He didn't do like that. He actually entertained them and welcomed them in as guests. Remember, this is a Jewish man doing this for Gentiles in a time where this was unprecedented and unheard of. This was revolutionary for the time and culture because he went against every custom of Jewish culture. It's interesting because Peter actually spoke about this earlier in Acts Uh, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 5, verse 29, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. And now, unbeknownst to him, he's actually living out what he already had said, because he could have easily just said, no, I'm a Jew. I don't have dealings with Gentiles, but he is willing to forsake his Jewish cultural traditions in order to submit to the Lord's authority, which the Lord had told him, don't hesitate, go with them. The application, God's desire is for his chosen people, the Jews, to be a light to the world who wouldn't know him. He also calls us, I believe we're all Gentiles in this room, maybe we have some Jewish heritage, I have no idea, but for the most part I think we're all Gentiles here. He also calls us to reflect that same light to those around us, showing no partiality. Again, we're supposed to pray for all men, Amen. That means, and I'm not getting political. Donald Trump, pray for him. Pray for pray for the leadership in America. Pray for, you know, those in the Middle East. Pray for those that are, you know, in militias, that are, you know, in crazy groups that are trying to do crazy things. You're supposed to pray. We're supposed to pray for them. Pray for these people. Pray for the people of the world. That the Lord would convict hearts and 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 that salvation will fall upon them. The next day, Peter went away with them. In obedience, Peter reached out in love to these Gentiles. He didn't care what he looked like to others. That's very interesting. He didn't care what he looked like to others. When when we truly are beginning to live our lives for the Lord, what our lifestyle looks like to other people isn't going to matter as much. We're not going to be so worried about it. We're not going to be so caught up in... What do they think about me? I'm ashamed. remember we're not to be ashamed of Christ. if we're ashamed of Christ he's going to be ashamed of us before his father and we don't want that. as the worship team comes up in I'll, I'll close with these last few thoughts. Peter wasn't the first to be directed to Joppa. who knows who else was directed by the Lord to Joppa? who else knows? give you a hint. Or was that Joppa when he decided to break and not go where he was supposed to go? There you go, Jonah. Very good, Jonah. Jonah was commissioned by God to share the truth of God's love to the Gentiles, remember, to the people of Nineveh. But instead of doing that, he boarded a ship and sailed to Joppa. So he, was, he went there. He, he was supposed to go away. Jonah ran from God's call, thinking he could get away from the Lord. And he didn't share God's heart for the lost. Peter, on the other hand, was willing to re-examine his traditions and prejudices in light of God's word. Jonah did eventually share God's message with the people of Nineveh, but he did it begrudgingly. Remember, he was still bitter under that tree. And then the Lord was like... Homie, you ain't getting no shade. I'm going to make this tree wither because I'm Almighty God. You're over here complaining and crying because thousands of people got saved and are not going to eternal hell? Bro, you are so selfish and greedy. You still don't get it. I pray that we're not like that. I pray that the Lord doesn't have to put us through something like that, and then we still don't get it. People are being saved, and we're still like, poor me, oh, me, oh, my. That's not cool. Peter's heart was more like God's. Because he understood, understood. Excuse me, the importance of getting the message out to a lost world. The application for us today is: some believers are like Peter, while others are more like Jonah. We should be willing to submit and obey, and do it, and not act like it's pulling teeth. <laughs> Amen. Job thirty-two twenty-one. I will show no partiality to any man or use flattery towards any person. And I believe that's God's heart. It truly is. That's why Jew, Gentile alike, wherever you find yourself this morning, the people in your spirit of influence, whether they burned you, whether they've done you right, the Lord wants you to share his love with them.